hey, everybody. Welcome to a bonus episode of Two Legs, a Paul McCartney podcast. I am Tom Hunyadi. You may know me from my other show, Talk More Talk, a solo Beatles video cast. And as you see, I'm uh, solo here. My, my co-host, Andy, still just slightly under the weather, but he will be back this weekend for an all-new show. But I am not solo for this show. As you can see, we've got a returning guest here. And we're talking to Glenn Greenberg, who last year was here with us talking about Paul McCartney at 80, celebrating 80 years of Paul McCartney, this wonderful book, bookazine that he did. And he's back this year to talk about his brand new bookazine, the trivia book of the Beatles. Glenn, it is really exciting to have you back. We had a great time chat, you know, a great chat with you the first time. And it's good to have you back. Welcome back. How you doing? All right. Well, thank you for having me back. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, so this is uh, the trivia book of the Beatles, and, you know, let's just, you know, <laughs> let's just talk about trivia in general. It's just, you know, every time I hear trivia or quiz, you know, I start to kind of get a little, you know, a little antsy, and it just, I, you know, I like trivia. You know, I like trivia when I have time to answer it. I don't like trivia when it's just like, you know, you got five seconds. <laughs> It's like yeah. watch, you know, watch Jet. My wife and I will watch Jeopardy, and then every right. once in a while, I'll be able to get a trivia in there. Real quick. How are you with trivia? What do you like about trivia? I like when I know the answers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Um, you know that there, my 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 memory is really great for stuff that I'm really interested in. Right. Um, uh, if I'm not interested, I can hear it. I can hear mm -hmm. it multiple times and it goes in one ear and right out the other. Right. And, uh, I mean, I've been writing bookazines or MAGA books or whatever you mm -hmm. want to call them, uh, about the Beatles for about, uh, three years now going on okay. three years and, um, been, been soaking up so much information about their lives the the ins and the outs the details and i find that almost none of it if i didn't already know it almost right. none of it stayed in my memory thank you so, yes yeah i i agree with you 100 i could be so immersed in something yeah reading it like this new mccartney legacy book where i i have you have know yeah. you know i've got you know a little bit memorized in my head mm -hmm. i mean especially the more important things but there comes a time where it's just, is it just like, is it too much information? I mean, can I, I, those people that can remember dates and, right. and where they were when Kennedy was assassinated. I mean, those things like that, it just boggles my mind how they can do that. I, I'm just so bad at retaining information. Mm -hmm. you know? And I'm also, it, it depends on the type of information. Like if it's really dramatic stuff, right. um, like, like I, I, I actually, uh, I have the McCartney legacy book as well, and I haven't read it in, in the traditional terms, but right. I, fl I flipped through it. I've, I've skimmed mm -hmm. just to see what, what's, what's awaiting me. And, uh, there were some sections that, that I read and I was like, wow, this is really juicy stuff. Right. I remember that stuff. Right. But right. you know, I, I couldn't, I, I just, I don't retain dates and right. figures and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, if, if 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 I if I know I'm going into a trivia type of situation, I would have to do like the Ralph Cramden thing and start like you know cramming for like a week. You know, every <laughs> single you know, <laughs> and uh, yeah. and end up answering Ed Norton anyway. But uh, I hope that's What's... not too obscure a reference. Right. Well, no, there's some honeymooner people out okay, there. I know good. Ken Michaels is a huge honeymooners. Okay, uh, good. Big honeymooners guy. You know, but but yeah, just in tri trivia in general. I mean, there's the the Beatles trivia pursuit. Had do you have that, and have you played it at all? Uh let's see. If I played Beatles Trivial Pursuit, excuse <coughs> me. I know, I know, I played Star Wars Trivial Pursuit. Okay, right. <coughs> I don't think I've played Beatles Trivial right, Pursuit. I right. don't think I even knew it existed. Yeah, yeah. There's a Beatles Trivia Pursuit out there. It's uh, that there's come to be known that um, some of the questions aren't 100 percent accurate. You know, so <laughs> there you go, right? So, That's funny. <laughs> but but what did you? But with the with the book, is in the 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 trivia book of of the Beatles. <clears throat> you got you got you have it laid out with group and then some solo stuff and then solo in in general. You yeah. know, is that how you wanted to lay it out? I mean, because you, you're also trying to tell a story as well, correct? To to a certain extent, that wasn't that wasn't the main priority. Telling telling a story, um, the main priority originally was we had kind of the the plan was originally to to kind of set it up like Jeopardy, 
where okay. the questions get progressively harder, harder. as, as right. you go along. Mm-hmm. Um, for the most part, I, I think that kind of fell by the wayside. Um, and um, the, the order in which I asked the questions, I felt as I was writing, they had to make a certain degree of sense. Mm-hmm. So in that regard, I guess, yes, they tell a story, but that was not a top priority of ours. Um, right. Was to, was to tell a story, just sort of like, you know, if I'm referring to, you know, uh, John's Aunt Mimi in one question, I think she has to be set up right. in a previous question kind of thing. Right. Okay. If, I'm, if, I'm, okay. if I'm going to be, you know, getting specific about that. So that that's like one example. But, um, you know, one of the one of the things we didn't want to do, we didn't want to make it a quiz. Mm. Um you know, with multiple choice answers and right. very sort of brief, multiple choice questions with very brief answers. Um, and, and the format was great was because we, we, we could ask questions and then provide context and background information. Then we, we could get into the details, the, the facts right. and the figures that, right. that I don't know off the top of my head right. um, uh, and, and get into that kind of stuff. So um, the, 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 the telling of the story was kind of like a, a happy byproduct from the mm. way the way that the, the thing was created. Uh, but yes. in terms of in terms of how it was set up, um, and it's it's nine chapters with nine questions. Right. Um, I think that I think my editor Bob Durr and I kind of came up with that together, mm-hmm. which was uh, once once we figured out what the format was going to be, nine chapters. Well. You could do the four eras of the Beatles. There's, you know, the early right. years, Beatlemania, the studio years, and the breakup years. Right. Uh, that's four. And then one chapter about each Beatle. Mm-hmm. That's another four. And then the solo years. So it all kind of fell into place that way. Like, boom, nine. Right. We're, we're ready to go. <laughs> um, and that, that's really how, how it came together. It was, you know, some, some things just kind of fall into place. Mm-hmm. Well, trivia in general is, especially with Beatle fans, you know, every once in a while we get together and we like to, you know, throw out a, a trivia question because we, mm-hmm. you know, we think we, you know, we know it all or whatever. Or we find an interesting one, you know, which you you do have some very interesting ones uh, right. in this book. So in your mind, when you when you get this assignment, you, it's a green lid, it's a go. Talk about the trivia questions that you want to present in here. What, uh, what, without really giving any away that are in the book, which ones were to you specifically were the most important to get, to get in this book? The, well, it's a two pronged question because, because there are some that I felt had to be in there because they're expected. Mm. Uh, they, 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 they need to be in there and you have to keep in mind that, not everybody reading this is going to be a Beatles expert. So you have right. to get some of the basics in. And what, what's going to be but simple for you or right. for me um, is not going to be easy for someone like, say, my wife, who, right. who likes the Beatles. I mean, she's right. got some of the albums, but doesn't have encyclopedic knowledge. Or my daughter, mm. who is obviously the, the new generation, hopefully, of Beatles fans, um, and again, she she has some favorite songs that she that she has of the Beatles, um, but doesn't know the history all that much. So there's stuff that has to be in there for them, and that those mm. are the ones that I felt. But for me personally, the ones that I got the chuckle out of is like, like, oh, I you know, I hope they I hope they let me get put this in there. Is is you know stuff like um, uh, stuff stuff about songs that. Nobody but the diehards really know about, you know, you know, it, it's like, it's like the kind of thing, like when you're at a Beatles concert, right. or, excuse me, at a Paul McCartney concert, and he starts playing a song that the people next to you have no idea what it is. And you're sitting there crying because you're so thrilled that he's singing it. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, so, so stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, th- that's the stuff that, that, that really made me happy. Uh, there's, there's a song that, that Paul wrote for um another group this was in the 1980s um and it is so oh, yeah. obscure it's so obscure yeah, i know you're going. I, yeah. I didn't know about it until like maybe 10 <laughs> years ago you know i mean right. i think i i think i knew about it when it first came out but mm. that was 40 years ago almost right you know and so i kind of rediscovered oh yeah that one well only a few years ago 
I found Paul's original demo for it, mm. and I it was I fell in love with it. Right. And so it, again, it's a song that I would say ninety percent of the population doesn't know about, never heard, certainly have never heard the Paul McCartney demo of it. Right. And I was like, eh, let's see if I can get if I could if I could squeeze this one in there. And it's such a great story because yeah. you know he's he's fast at work on his movie project, right? He's he's just immersed in projects, you yeah. know, with recording music, doing a movie. Here comes Dave Edmonds, who's also in the movie. You know, right. he's he's working on this this pro this other project who we'll we'll, we'll get to. But he said, "Hey, you you got a song?" He's like, "Well, you know." And obviously, who it's for is really important to him yes. because, as we know in the, Paul's history, he talks very highly. Uh, and and both their names are in a in a particular song, <laughs> you know. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, yeah, so you know this means a lot to him. Oh, yeah. he goes, give me a week, give and me a then week. there you go. Here's this beautiful song. You know, it reminds me of the uh, in the McCartney Legacy where um, Paul's in in um, he's in the uh, Carly Simon um, uh, session, and Richard Perry is the is the producer. And then Richard Perry's like, well, I, if I give you, uh, you know, can you come up with, I'm working on Ringo's next album. If I, you know, give, you know, can you, can you give me a song? And he goes, well, if you give me a deadline, I'll, I'll, I'll get you something. Okay. And he goes, and it's a Sunday. I think it's a Saturday or a Sunday. And he goes, okay, how about Wednesday? And then, so Wednesday he comes back with six o'clock, you know, probably, you know, it's just, this, is, this stuff is mind blowing. You can't make yeah. this stuff up. It's great. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad you had that in this book because it is a marvelous song. That people should know. Yeah, and and I um, again, I I prefer Paul's rough demo than the mm -hmm. finished polished uh, uh, version that right. that that came out. And it's one of those songs that I really wish that he had done a version of it, like a proper right. version yeah. of it. Uh, maybe it's one of the ones that he could have duetted with Elvis Costello on. Yes, you know? yes, um, absolutely. Uh, you know, which brings me to it to another another th uh, uh, thing that uh, you know I, I really wish that that he and Costello had put out. You know, Tommy's coming home. Yeah. Proper. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's a whole other. That's a that's whole other a, exactly. Exactly. I don't think there's any trivia questions about Tommy's coming home in there. But, <laughs> that's, but, fine. Uh, that's fine. But um, you know, yeah, I, I I was happy to get that in there. There there there's there's quite a few where. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the way the, the way that the way that my my editor and I worked it out is because it's it's nine questions for each chapter. Right. What I did was I sent him about twelve or thirteen questions per chapter. Oh, okay. this way we had more right. than we needed right. because this let's say I sent him nine questions for each chapter and right. he only like five. Right. Then I have to go back to the drawing board and come right. up with you know four four or five more questions. Right. Uh, this way he has more than he needs and he could just choose the nine that he liked the most. Right. And, uh, and that really worked out. And, um, uh, in one particular case, there was, there was, I, I sent him like, you know, again, like 12 or 13. And there was one that I figured he would dismiss out of hand. And, uh, uh, no, that's the one he went with. So okay. I was like, Oh, cool, cool. I get to, <laughs> I get to write about this. So, yeah. Any uh, any that you were disappointed that didn't make the book, or was there a particular one where you thought was, or were you happy with what was in the book? Oh, I'm happy. Oh, I'm definitely right. happy. I mean, if, if I wasn't happy, I would have pushed back a little bit and was okay. like, "Oh, come on, let's get this one." But I think I think one that I I thought would have made it in and and didn't, and I'm not griping about it. I was just like, oh, you know, I'm I'm happy with what got in was um I think what was George Harrison's first um, solo record. Ace Oh no! What was his oh. first A side? Oh, his A side as okay. a Beatle, as a right. Beatle. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's again for people in the know, it's easy. It, it, mm -hmm. You know, but but you know, some people might think is oh, why well, my guitar gently weeps or or right. uh, 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 or uh, uh, here comes the sun or you know so so which it was neither. But mm -hmm. but so I figured that one was like such an obvious one that that would have made it in. Maybe it didn't make it in because it was so obvious. I don't know. I mean, I'd have to ask my editor, but I didn't ask at the time because I was like, you know, that's fine. I'm I'm happy with the ones he approved. Right. And then you have ones in here that kind of like fall through the cracks. Like you knew, but you maybe, you know, you, you, you forgot, you know, mm -hmm. like, like it's easy to forget the, 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 I think the Clapton Harrison co-write uh, for, for the cream right. album. I think it's easy to forget that one, 
Mm-hmm. Um, cause there's just so much history, you know, right. between the two, you know? Right. So, I mean, it's kind of good that you're also bringing in questions that people might know, but they, they may have forgotten in the past. And, and this sure. is just, just re you know, you, you just rehashing it out and, and people, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's right. They did do a song together, you know, and, and a very good song. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know? Oh yeah. I love it. Um, yeah. um, and a lot of it also is because, as I was mentioning before, um, a lot of the stuff that I retained in my memory, mm-hmm. you know, g- coming from, you know, becoming a Beatles fan in 1977 and, you know, from then on, especially especially after John died, mm-hmm. um, where I really just just did a deep dive and, and soaked up every possible thing I could read about the Beatles, right. starting with the Philip Norman book, Shout. Mm-hmm. And then going to the Nicholas Schaffner book, The Beatles Forever. Right. And then, you know, becoming old enough where I'm I'm reading like every issue of Rolling Stone, especially the ones where there's a Beatle on the cover, an ex-Beatle on the cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting back issues of, of Rolling Stone or Crawdaddy or Life magazine that the Beatles were in, reading all of that stuff, soaking up every interview and, and just following, you know, their 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 solo careers. Right. Um and retaining a lot of this stuff. So um, when I was sitting down thinking about the questions, I was like, well, what's the stuff that 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 I remember from 30, 35, 40 years ago right. that nobody talks about anymore? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so as long as I could like go through my archives and find photographic or journalistic proof that I'm not, not making this stuff up in my head where I can actually point to and say, okay – Here's when when this happened. Here are quotes from it. Here are dates and figures and all of that. Then it was fair game. And so a lot of that stuff did make it in. Um, Stuff about Saturday, you know, the Beatles connections to Saturday Night Live um, or, um, uh, you know, just 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 like stuff like, you know, particular comments or incidents that happened or stuff that they talked about in interviews. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Cool. I'll ask um, throughout this show, I'm going to ask five questions for the audience. Okay. Uh, the listeners in the comment section, you guys can leave the answers. If you, you can, you can watch and then answer uh, at the end, or you can answer as we go along, however you want to do it, that's fine. But first question that, or the first trivia question that that's in the, the book that I'm going to ask is uh, why did Decca records reject the Beatles. So again, you can wait until after this is over and then just answer all five at once, or you can answer right now. But uh, if that's the case, again, the question is why did Decca records reject the Beatles? Now, one, I I, I love that you brought this up um, kind of controversial because it deals with drugs, right? Okay. And, and there's a very famous interview with Paul um, that you can watch on YouTube. And, and we're talking about, um, you know, uh, who was the, the first Beatle to publicly discuss his use of LSD. And um, I just love this particular interview because, you know, Paul's in his backyard or whatever. He's sitting on the on little <laughs> little seat and the guy's asking the questions and Paul's going, no, it's you who has the responsibility. You know, I'm perfectly fine telling you the truth, but I prefer that this doesn't go out. I just die every time I hear this. <laughs> So really cool that you added uh, you added this because listen, we all want to think that the Beatles were were innocent, right? They didn't do anything wrong. But the, the fact of the matter is, is they did sex, drugs, and rock and roll just like every other band out there. And and it, it, you have to it's it, it's part of the story. Absolutely. I mean, at this point, I think it's it would be incredibly naive to. Uh, keep feeding that myth that, right. that they were, you know, that, 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 that they were the innocent little mop top, you know, kids right. that, that, you know, that, 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 yeah, from, from a hard day's night um, and that they weren't uh, taking drugs and, and, and screwing everything, you know, the, you know, that they could get their hands on <laughs> right. well before. I mean, you know, I mean, they, they, they were pretty, they were pretty upfront about the fact that, you know, they, they were not innocent in Hamburg for no. sure. Exactly. Uh, right. And you've you know, got a, a question in there about that one as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it's it's a very well thorough look into the history uh, of, of the Beatles and, and, and Solo. So I, I like it for that as well. Um, let's see here. Moving on. Um, you know, you, you've got, you know, diehards will will definitely get probably most, you know, 99 percent of these. Um, there's a couple if you're mid range. 
um, Beatle fan, maybe you don't know whether it's true or false that uh, Lucy in the Sky uh, with Diamonds was meant as a tribute to LSD. Who knows, right? Well, I, I can guarantee you that my daughter right. probably would have assumed that it was. Mm -hmm. um, and, and um, you know, again, I'm trying to appeal to a wide swath of, mm -hmm. of, of, of readers uh, or, or Beatles fans. Right. Um, and, and so it's, it's, I'm trying to make it so that there's a little, a little bit for everybody with people, people who are, you know, new to the Beatles or, or casual, or, you know, they used to be, and they're getting back in, they, maybe they forgot a lot of the details and, and, and stuff. Um, and, and I know that the diehards are going to be the hardest ones to satisfy, but right. oh, always, they always yeah. are, whether, right. it's, whether, whether it's the Beatles or Star Trek or right. or comic books or whatever the diehards are very hard to to please and you have to you have to go into it knowing that they are going to come after you with their knives sharp right. and right. you just have to have thick skin or you stay off the internet right <laughs> <laughs> very true my friend very true all right question two for everybody out there listening and or watching uh name the only song on sergeant pepper that George Martin did not arrange. Okay, very good question. This is a very good question. And again, this is something that a lot of people may not know. So that is number two. In your mind, what do you think a Stanley Kubrick-directed Lord of the Rings starring the Beatles may have looked like? Oh, my God. Well, I, I think that, um, well, I mean... I think it probably would have been as coherent as the David Lynch version <laughs> with much cruder special effects. Okay. Uh, 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 I think that, I, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not the hugest Stanley Kubrick fan. Oh, okay. Uh, I think there's a real coldness and lack of humanity mm -hmm. in his movies, um, which is why probably, you know, my, my favorite Stanley Kubrick film is 2001, which mm -hmm. is where all of that is really sort of called for. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, all of the other movies that I've seen by Kubrick, that there's been a, a, a real distance from, from, from the human element, like the shining, I think is a very cold inhuman film. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, um, uh, Dr. Strangelove, it works for that movie because it's, it's a, it's a spoof. It's a parody. Right. Satire. Yeah. It's a satire, yeah. but, um, I don't know. I mean, I think that I think that the Peter Jackson versions, which you know, obviously we all know and love, there is such a warmth and such a humanity, and it's so touching the relationships between those characters. It's hard for me. To, it's hard for me to picture, you know, Stanley Kubrick capturing that, uh, right? Because he he always most of the movies that I've seen from him, he seems like he's one step removed, right? From 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 humans he's like an observer not one of us kind of thing right and so i think that a, that a, that a, that a stanley kubrick version of lord of the rings with the beatles um i mean it's a great question it really yeah. is a great it's a really great question i i i think that i think that it would have left a lot of people confounded right one thing one aspect of it i think he would have thrived in stanley kubrick that is is because he does have like there's three movies that feature a lot of landscape okay in lord of the rings i mean you're you're dealing sure. with a, a travel film there's a lot of landscape okay you sure. look at something like paths of glory okay a lot of you know you know landscape during war okay and then you see something like barry linden again a great cinematography uh you know a lot of outside action you then you look at you know full metal jacket again you know a lot of landscape so i, I you know for that stuff kind of stuff i can see but as a whole, as a film, you know, he, he probably wouldn't have made it anyways. So right. there's really, there's really no, this probably wouldn't have happened. <laughs> I mean, it didn't, obviously. But well, he didn't I, want I it. I mean, no, yeah, right, I mean, right. it, yeah, I mean, it, he, he was approached and, and he wasn't interested. Um, right. And um, yeah. yeah. But, so, but it, the, the thought is, is pretty fascinating. Oh, and, for sure. You know, so, but good question. So the question is, what fantasy novel did the Beatles want to adapt into a movie? Okay. Right. So there's that. Okay. Now another interesting one is that I mean there was a couple um, things about the Sergeant Pepper cover, right? And I found this interesting was 
uh, I got to move this here so I can read the whole thing. Who demanded payment to be included on the cover of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band? Yeah. Now, again, there's, there's some aspects of the Beatles I could care less about. I don't need to know. I mean, this was like one of those questions where, I mean, it really didn't interest me. But then after thinking about it, it's it's kind of fascinating. You know, mm -hmm. so uh, Leo uh, Grocery, is that how you pronounce Gorsi. his name? Gorsi, you know. So he wanted he wanted uh, reportedly wanted five hundred dollars composition or um, compensation uh, to appear on. Now that I, you know, honest with you, I never would have got that. And mm -hmm. you know, and I, you know, and I'm a huge fan of the news. But but again, that's like those questions. It's a question there that that's very interesting, and maybe not even diehards might not know. And and where I was coming from that from uh, was you know it's like. I want I, I want people to not know mm -hmm. the answer. Number one, number two, when they read the answer, I want I want the reaction to be who, right? Who the hell is this guy? And <laughs> where does he come off expecting payment? He should be right. happy that he's even getting the expo. That's the reaction that I'm, I'm hoping to get. Is mm -hmm. you would think it would be like, well, Marlon Brando, of course, or or uh, uh, you yeah. know, uh, I'm trying. Now, now I'm put, you know, challenging myself to think about, all right, who was on that cover? You know, I'm, I'm looking at the cover in my head right, right now. Right. You know, I'm seeing Marlon Brando. And, and you also talk about, you know, Mae well. West a little bit too, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, she was didn't want anything to do. And it's funny because then ironically enough, she ended up working with a Beatle. Uh, right. Right. <laughs> right. right. You know. But, yeah, I, I, I figured I figured the, react, the right reaction or the reaction I was going for was, who? Why did he think they were going to pay him? What kind of right. what kind of what kind of leverage did he have at that point? Right, right. So yeah, that's that's really what the reaction I was hoping for. Right. Um. Okay. The white album version or the John George Harrison version? Not guilty. Which one do you prefer? Wow, that's a, that's an excellent question because because the two versions are so different. Yes. Um. The, it, with completely different approaches, so it, it's kind right. of like asking, "Well, which do you prefer, the the white album version of Revolution, right? Or the single version single of version. Revolution? It's yeah, completely different." I think that um, the 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 um, well, I, the I think that the the Beatles version of Not mm -hmm. Guilty has a little bit more edge of an it. edge to it. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's not a I, I. It's not one of my favorite songs, mm -hmm. you know. No matter what. Um, uh, but I think that, um, I think that, I think that the edge works better for the song because what, what that song is about. Yeah. And by doing it, it's sort of like this mellow kind of jazz pop thing. The, <laughs> the, the message is kind of blunted, right. which may be what George was going for at that point. Mm. But, uh, I think that, I think that the edge kind of, kind of helps right. the subject matter. Yeah. So the question is, what George Harrison song was cut from the White Album? That's not part of the five, but that's just what we were talking about. So uh, let's get to uh, let's get to uh, number three here. What do we want to do here? Okay, you have a question here. This might be a tough one here. So you put a definite a, de a definitive answer to this question. Okay, okay. all right, because there's. Oh, there could be many answers to this question, and this will be number the five. So we won't talk about. Well, we won't give the answer, but we'll we'll talk about it. But when did the the Beatles break up? Now you give a specific date, which I am not arguing with because that is the the day that a particular person says, "I want out." Right. Mm -hmm. So, and not only is he a particular person, but he is the person that started the band. Mm -hmm. Would you would you agree? So I, I guess that date coming back from Toronto, coming back from performing, you know, You're giving too much away. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. But it's also a date that people might have to look up as well right. because it, it won't be, you know, in their minds. But mm -hmm. but let's talk about that for a second. I mean, in your mind, I mean, that is but that is the the day you feel that you know, even though they were you know finishing up an album or whatever, or mm -hmm. and you know that's the day right there that's the that's the day well i mean i i think it i think that this is this is open for debate mm -hmm. and i have seen it argued 
when, 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 right. You know, uh, you know, when, when was the point of no return? Right. Um, arguably the point of no return is a little more than a year later mm-hmm. than, the, than the date that I gave. That's the point okay. of no return. Mm-hmm. But when you factor everything in, in terms of what was going on, the circumstances on the ground, um, right. looking at it, in hindsight, which of course is 2020, right? The date that I give, I I feel is right the, that, that date. date because you know when 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 a particular person released that little questionnaire to to go and coincide with his new album, people would consider that to be the day, right? right. You know? But even so, that wasn't even that no, necessarily right. wasn't, yeah, right? Because he didn't really necessarily say that it's over. Right. You know, but unless you read that Life magazine <laughs> article where right. he says that this Beatle thing is blown up and oh, but that's yeah, 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 but that's a different thing. So again, the question for you guys, question number three, um, when did the, the Beatles break up? And it's a it's a specific date. So I like, give me one second while I write the this down. Okay, so moving on. Again, a lot of just fun, and a lot of them are fun too. Just to go back and, and look, because not only do you give the answer, but okay, so like this one right here, we'll, um, who assembled Let It Be before uh, Phil Spector was brought in? Okay, well, you know, if you got the Let It Be box set, you know, even if you know, even if you didn't, maybe you might know that Glenn Johns was the you know the the main producer on this film, and he was also the one that presented a first cut, right, of, of Let It Be. So not only do you just give the answer, but you also give, you know, the, the story behind that, which I, I think is, you know, a good touch, like we talked about earlier in, in, the, in the show. That's the thing that I love is that right. is, is that each question is is answered with a mini essay that, right. that gives you a fuller mm-hmm. explanation than, than a, a simple yes or you know, right. yes or no, or, or one word answer, true or false or whatever would, would, would give you, you, you do mm-hmm. get the history. And in right. that regard, uh, you know, mm-hmm. it, I, I think it's a great format. Right. Um, there's a, there's an interesting one that you, you, you have in here and it's um, you know, what Beatles, what Beatles song got John Lennon sued. Okay. Now a lot of people know this answer and then, and it's not part of the five. So we'll, we'll just talk about this. So the answer come together. Okay. Now the, the the thing that I've I've wanted to explore and research I just just haven't gotten to it yet. Okay, the the credits on that song is Lennon and McCartney. Why wasn't mm-hmm. do we know why McCartney wasn't included in that lawsuit? Was he ever included? Did did he get out of it? That I mean I've always found that kind of fascinating. Okay, so yeah maybe Lennon wrote it, but McCartney's name is on there as well. That's a really really good question. Um, I suspect, I suspect that the lawyers got together and Mm. made it abundantly clear that, uh, that, that, that Lennon wrote that song. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I would, I would have to think so because like you said, McCartney wasn't really touched by it and yet his name is on the song. That's an excellent question. Uh, you know, as, as, as most things are, 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 uh, as is the answer for most things. Probably the lawyers got involved. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that, <laughs> that could be. Yeah, that could be. And All I right. will tell. I will tell you that that um, because you said that a lot of people would probably know the answer to this. Mm. Well, one time we were driving. I was driving with my, my my wife and daughter, right? And we were playing the song that John was sued over. Mm-hmm. My daughter had no context whatsoever, and she goes, "Oh, that sounds like Come Together." And I turned to her and I said, boy, do I have a story for you. <laughs> and so that's what's so great about this is that mm-hmm. my daughter made that connection, you know, and and mm-hmm. and so I was able to explain all this to her. And here it is. It's all it's right. all it's all in here, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, there you go. I, I love that. Mm-hmm. Very good. All right. Question number four for the folks out there listening. And I want to include this because she had just celebrated her 90th. 90th birthday and um i'm fan of i'm a fan of hers and so i know okay. a bunch of people out there are uh what song had john lennon been working on with yoko ono on the night he died yeah so and i know that's that's um i would say that's maybe your most commercial uh song 
Um, I, I would say, like, if you're interested in, uh, in in Yoko Ono, I would say that this particular song would be a good jumping on point if you're interested in her music. So um, at this point, so now we're into the solo stuff. You know, we, I just asked one of your one of the questions from from the solo uh, chapters here. Um, as we're comic fans, you got to work in the comic industry. Yeah, I did. You know, and maybe we can touch on that a little bit after we talk about the book here. Um, <laughs> you know, what three comic book villains, super villains, figured prominently in a song by Paul McCartney post Beatles band Wings, and it's one of my favorites. Uh, in in his catalog, you know whether you want to call it the McCartney catalog or the Wings catalog or whatever. But um, Magneto and Titanium Man, uh, and you can't forget the Crimson Dynamo, right? Because that's right. the third. That's the you kind of be like two. What are you talking about two? No, there's actually three. It's it's just his name's not in the title. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know? So uh, one is you know Magneto, who is the X Men. You got Crimson Dynamo, and you got Titanium Man. They were Iron Man villains. Uh, were you, did you, what talked about a little bit about your comic history? Were you a Marvel guy, a DC guy? Uh, were you a little bit of both? I, what do you ultim think? Ultimately I was both, but I started out, uh, with, with DC because the, the first, uh, uh, comic book character that I got into was Batman. And that was courtesy of the Adam West TV series, which was on every day after school. Um, and then, um, my older brother was a, was a comic book reader and he went off to college and um, uh, he left his comics, obviously left them behind. And I found them and uh, I found a Batman comic. And I was like, oh, my gosh, he's in he's in comic books, too. Right. So uh, that that started me on on the path. Um, and then not too long after that, I discovered the Incredible Hulk. And then the Hulk had a TV series. Right. Um, so those are those are my two first favorites. Um, so for DC, it was Batman and then for, for, uh, Marvel, it was the Hulk. And then mm -hmm. eventually as I got older, I started expanding my horizons a little bit. I got into, uh, Spider-Man, um, and I was a huge Star Wars comic book fan. Marvel was putting out Star Wars comics. I was reading those. Um, and then I was, I got a little older and then they, they restarted Superman from scratch. Right. And I, I loved the Superman movies, but I felt that the comic books didn't really reflect it. So once they started making the comic books reflect the movies more, I started buying Superman and mm -hmm. the Teen Titans and, uh, and all, all that stuff. So I was see, I, I love both. Yeah. See, so you you just hit on two of my favorite artists in their in their comics was John Byrne and George Perez. Oh my! Oh my! And and George unfortunately just passed last year, yep. and the big loss in, in comics because I was collecting his, um, his Justice League of America from I think the late seventies, early eighties, yep. yep. and big fan of his. And then he did a wonderful job on Wonder Woman yep. and you know Crisis on Infinite Earths, uh, mm -hmm. just in Teen Titans, like you said, just amazing, amazing artist. I got to work with him numerous oh. times, and oh. uh, he was he really? was he was a wonderful guy, yeah. um, and just just brilliant i mean his work was was gorgeous and, and yes. he, you know up until the end i mean he really retained uh the quality of, of mm -hmm. work he just was uh yeah re really wonderful wonderful guy i right. work with burn too uh, uh once or twice yeah. um on a very limited basis but yeah i i mean it was a thrill for me to grow up reading this stuff mm -hmm. and, and 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 getting to work with these people um uh, just a few years later, you know, it, right. was, it was, it was great. Oh yeah. man. So jealous. Uh, you know, he did a wonderful job with, we, we know she Hulk alpha flight. You got the, like you said, the Superman stuff. I fantastic mean, I just a yeah, fantastic four. Mm -hmm. I just mm -hmm. devoured all that stuff because he was a writer as well. Right. I mean, he wrote, you know, yeah, a lot of sees, the stuff. Yeah. He sees him. I mean, he started out as an, as an, uh, strictly an artist, right. But, uh, when he got to Marvel, uh, but he always saw himself burn as a as mm. an as an artist, as a writer who draws rather than a an artist who artist writes. that writes. Gotcha. Yeah. Excuse me. When when did you first um, hear and and see of uh, this this little TV show uh, called um, The Ruddles? All you need is cash. <laughs> uh, it would have been the mid eighties. Okay. Uh, I was too young when, when it first aired. I guess it was 1978 was when it mm -hmm. first aired. 
So I was a little too young at that point to have, to have seen. I probably went, was sent to bed before it aired, you know, before, before it went <laughs> right. on the air. Uh, exactly. but, but what happened was um, in the mid-'80s, uh, my, my parents finally uh, uh, broke down and, and got cable for, you mm. know, for their, for their summer home upstate. Okay. And so, and so uh, I believe it was HBO or one of the, one of the premium cable channels that, and we had it started showing it. Uh, it. It came back into circulation and that's how I discovered it. And uh, uh, I thought it was hilarious. My mother actually bought me the album. Oh, okay. Uh, it was, it was the, the soundtrack yes, album. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that's when I first discovered it was I, I it probably would have been 1984 or 85 when I first mm. saw All You Need Is Cash. OK, I remember my uh, uncle. This was probably would have been at some point in the 90s. He had uh, like a floppy disk version of it where you can throw in your computer. Uh, oh, okay. and, and yeah, never seen anything like that in my life. So um watched it that way on the computer. <laughs> so, OK. And it was just I, I was just. uh I mean, I, I was amazed. I was just like, what am I watching? This is, this is awesome. And then to actually see a beetle in there, uh, you know, George, you know, <laughs> Oh my God. I mean, and, yeah. and he's great. I mean, yes. that's the funny thing yes. is he, he's just so right. deadpan and, right. and just so, so perfect. Um, you know, I heard that, that, that all of them, really, really enjoyed it except Paul. Paul. Yeah. Because the way Eric Idle presented, you know, or, or impersonated or how, or however you want to, you know, I mean, come on what they did to, what they did to Yoko. I mean, come on. If anybody should have been offended, I mean, (laughs) she's in a Nazi uniform for crying out loud. You know, I mean, mean, it's like, it's like, I I don't recall Paul being portrayed uh, Mm -hmm. or Dirk Dirk McQuickly coming off so poorly that that Paul really had a a reason to uh, Mm -hmm. to, uh, be offended. But apparently he, he, um, he was not a fan. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. Um, Have you read the book, the beetle who vanished? No. Okay. So this is, um, because you have a question in here. It's like, who replaced Ringo Starr Tupperware oh. during the Beatles 64? Yeah, okay. okay real I, I, I wasn't aware of the title, but I'm aware yes. of the book. Yes. Yes. Amazing. Amazing. Mm-hmm. This book is absolutely amazing. Uh, this brought you know him to our, our attention. I never really, I, I never knew. Well, I mean, because of my, listen, I was born in 73. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. I really didn't start wanting, I didn't really start reading about the Beatles until the 90s. I just I cared about the music. You know, I didn't care about bios or anything like that. So mm-hmm. as I've been, you know, as I've been reading about it, you know, Jimmy Nickel, what a story. Fascinating mm-hmm. story. I mean, he's a great drummer in his own right. Uh, here, here he is. He's out on tour. He, he's thinking to himself, um, hey, I'm better than Ringo. Maybe I'll get asked to, uh, you know, Ringo's always sick, right? Yeah. You know, this might be my opportunity. This might be my big break, you know. So, but this is a great, great story. Uh, well, it's a sad story, really, the Jimmy Nickel story. Yeah, uh, you he know, kind so. of, he kind of, you know, it kind of went downhill just right. very, very quickly, career-wise. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a great story, and I, I didn't get it. I didn't get a chance to put it in the book, but uh, mm-hmm. you were talking about somebody who wanted to replace Ringo. Right. Uh, he wasn't the only one. Apparently, uh, the Beatles were in a club or at least John and Paul, maybe George were, were in a mm. club socializing and uh, Keith Moon sat down mm. and said, uh, you know, I want to join you. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, okay, well you're sitting, you're sitting with us here. You know, you, you right. know okay, join us. <laughs> yeah. He goes, no, 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 no. I want to join you. <laughs> he, was, he was, he was ready to ditch the who cause he wanted to join the Beatles. That's hilarious. Uh, it's, it's anecdotal, but, but uh, right. I, I loved, I'd love it if it was true. Right. Here's one that I, I learned over the last couple of years myself, and this will be question five for, for the folks listening and what are watching um, with what band did Ringo Starr finally get to play drums on back in the USSR. So that's probably my favorite question that I got in there. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. That's so pro- you asked me before which one, right. which one was that? I think yeah. it might be that one. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Um, you know, more solo stuff. That's uh, I like this one a lot. This is really cool. 
I'm glad you got this in here because a lot of people might not know this. Now, throughout the 70s, all four of them were asked, when are the Beatles getting back together? When are the Beatles getting back together? Well, somebody, when they signed a contract with Columbia, thought, well, maybe it might happen. So I'm going to put this clause in my contract saying, giving me permission to record with them if that happens. And I'm still going to have a contract with Columbia as well. And the question is, you know, what form of Beatle was optimistic enough about the band reuniting that he made it in, made it a clause in his recording contract? This is a really cool story, uh, you know, with Paul McCartney signing this contract with Columbia and then putting a clause in there stating if, you know, Beatles get back together, you know, I'll still I'll still, you know, record for Columbia, but then I can also record on another label. What what it suggests to me is that he either had. Mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant lawyers who yeah. tried well, to account the Eastman's yeah for every I don't I don't know if, if it was the Eastman's at that point um okay. uh, I, I mean I, I guess we can assume it was mm-hmm. but um but the lawyers who and and the, the the thought that you know it's like Conan O'Brien should have had those lawyers because they didn't in, right. in put, they didn't put in his contract when he took over the Tonight Show Mm. You cannot move the 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 time slot mm-hmm. um, to to you know uh, away from the eleven thirty five slot right. because it wasn't in his contract. NBC was able to do that, right? And and somebody, I think it might have been Jay Leno or it might have been uh, 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 David Letterman said, "Oh, that wasn't in your contract. Well, that's your, that's your lawyer's lawyer's fault." Mm. The fact that they were able to account for this possibility. That either means that they were brilliant or or it means that a Beatles reunion Mm -hmm. was closer to happening than anybody than than they ever let on or that any any of us knew. Mm. Yeah. Why would that even be a topic of conversation? Uh, Again, either brilliant lawyers or or there was something there was something in the in the ether. That, that mm-hmm. they were looking at, and look, maybe it might well have been the long and winding road documentary, right? That right. ultimately became the Beatles anthology. anthology. Maybe, maybe that was it. Maybe they were thinking that, well, we'll record a few new songs for this thing, and so that would qualify as a new Beatles project. Maybe, maybe that was it. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I I don't think we're ever going to find out at this point. Um, so many years have, have have passed, and so many people involved are gone. But, right. Uh, it it it's definitely it's definitely a source of of great speculation. Well, this is definitely one of those questions where you would want the interviewer to know in the back of his mind. And if he ever had the opportunity to interview Paul. This would be one of those questions like, you know, how close were you guys to reuni- reuniting to want you to have that added into your right. contract? That's the you key know? part. That's right. the key part of the question. Right. The question is to br- because he's been asked that question a million times. You know, how close right. were you guys? Right. And, and, you know, he, he has his stock answer, which was, right. we can never get all four of us right. at the same time when we were right. willing. Mm-hmm. But then you follow it up with, but you but, had it in yeah. your contract. Then he has to answer more directly, right? You know, and so yeah, yeah I, I wish I wish that 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 I could be in that position to ask right. him. You know, right? But well, he's eighty years old now. I he's mean, eighty years old, but you would think something like that may still be lingering in the back of his brain. I don't know. If but... I got the opportunity, I would I would certainly hope so. Oh, please, yeah, somebody yeah. <laughs> out there, you know. Yeah. So, but, uh, but again, the book of zine is uh, the, the trivia book of the Beatles. Glenn, this was a great opportunity to talk to you, uh, again, and, uh, really enjoyed this one. So check it out. It's in news. It's, uh, you know, bookstores everywhere, right? Newsstands, uh, Bookstands, it- newsstands. Um, and you can, you can order it directly from, uh, the publisher has its own online shop. Okay. Uh, magazine shop dot us. Okay. And um, you can you can just you know type in Beatles trivia in the search function, and it'll take you right to it. Amazon, uh, yes or no? As far as I've seen, it's not on Amazon yet. Okay. But uh, yeah. but you can definitely order it for the same price that you would right. buy it from Amazon from MagazineShop.us. Okay, because I think that's how I got 
this guy. Probably, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, anything are you working on? I mean, you don't have to tell, but are you, you you're working on something now? I've got a couple of things. I've got another bookazine non-Beatles related okay. coming out uh, probably in the next three months. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is more comic book related. I had done okay. for Time Magazine, like the like the McCartney book that you just uh, uh, showed. I right. did a similar book for Spider-Man for Time. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, this is along those lines. It's it's for another iconic superhero character. Okay. Um, and so that'll be out in the next few months. And then later this year, in fact, I'm putting the finishing touches on it right now. I'm still writing it, mm-hmm. uh, is another Beatles-related Oh, book. very cool. And okay. this is going to be uh, more focused on a particular project that they did rather than oh very cool yeah rather yeah. than their 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 lives or the bio biographical kind of thing this is right. more about a specific project okay cool so you being a big comic fan you know dc you know what are your thoughts on this upcoming dc this new dcu with with james gunn who you know, had a lot of success with marvel with the the you know the first two guardians of the galaxy uh films the third one's coming soon this year uh do you have any hopes or i mean do you I, mean, I have hopes. On, yeah. I, I I think no matter what, it, it's going to be interesting because anything James Gunn does is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I may not always like his the stuff that he does. I may not always you know think that it's it's uh, faithful to the source material, but it's always interesting. Right. Um, if he's as much as of the comic book fan as he claims to be, and and you know now that he's going over to DC. Um, he's going to be working on, you know, because with, with, with the Marvel stuff, he was working on characters that were kind of obscure. Yeah. Uh, So he had more freedom to do whatever, you know, he wanted to put his own kind of spin on it at DC. He's going to be overseeing the whole thing Mm -hmm. and he's going to, going to be putting a personal stamp on the biggest guns. I mean, he's no pun intended. Um, he's, he's writing the next Superman movie. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see if he's going to be able to put his money where his mouth is. Like, well, he's always claimed to be a a big comic book fan. Right. Let's see what he does with Superman. Now's his chance. Right. Now's his chance. And if you get Superman wrong, right, then the whole thing collapses. Um, Right. And and so I'm curious. I'm very, very Mm -hmm. curious. So far, he's been saying a lot of the right things. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, One of my biggest concerns is is with Batman. It's it Mm -hmm. looks like he's he's going to be basing his Batman on an era of the comics right, that right. drove me away from Batman. <laughs> so, right. um, but, and but the, I, fact that, I, yeah. the fact that the, 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 you know, as we're talking about, you know, his son, um, you know, it's the brave mm-hmm. and the bold. Uh, yeah. They're using the brave and the bold tagline on, yeah. on this one. And the fact that he's like 10 years old, Right in the comics, do they do you do you think they're going to transition that into the movie as a ten year old, or do you think he, he they make him older? Because it seems just so you know, here's this ten year old. I mean, he's he's a little bastard. Yeah, uh, I yeah. think I think he's probably going to be older than ten, mm-hmm. um, only because I'm just thinking back of all the times that 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 they make a movie and they put like a, a kid, like a really young kid, right. Um, who's like a little bastard, you know, right. and how well those movies tend to do. And, right. and the first movie that comes to mind is RoboCop two. Okay. Where they had like this 12 year old kid who was like mm-hmm. the drug kingpin uh, mm-hmm. of Detroit. And one of the biggest knocks against that movie was that kid. Uh, the kid was fine. I and mean, he was, he was hired to play a little bastard and right. he played a little bastard, but the audience <laughs> hated him, you know? Right. So um, I don't know. I, I think, I think when, I, I don't think that's what people are expecting to see or really wanting to see in a Batman movie. A little kid who, right. who is mouthing off to Batman. He's a little, right. I think that I think that if you make him older, you make him like maybe like 14, 15, right. it's a little bit more acceptable. It's a little more acceptable, right? And as people don't know, this the kid is Robin uh in the comics. Uh, I, I don't think I mentioned that, but and he's but, Batman's yeah. son. He's, he's Batman's son. Yeah, yes. it's not yeah. Dick Grayson. It's right, not right. Jason it's Todd. Todd. It's yeah, not right. Tim Drake. See, that's the that would have been the one that I'd be interested in seeing. Tim Drake. They, 
No, the J- Jason no. Jason Todd the Jason right. Todd story yeah. where where right. where Batman basically takes in another Robin mm-hmm. and uh, you know you, you either kill him or keep him around, but but have a con you know this co- ongoing conflict between Batman and Robin, right. which has never really been done in live action. Mm-hmm. Um, I but but I I just think that Batman having a literal son um, ages him to a point where it's sort of right. like you know it, it's now he's like your dad figure he's not your big brother and i think <laughs> it, it, that these comic book characters right. work better when you look at them as a big brother not as your dad that your right. dad's an authority figure who yeah. wants to read about an authority thing you want to read about your big brother and and you know follow him on his adventures that was what was cool about batman mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah another one i'm i'm really interested to see how they how they how they handle this is the it's called lanterns and it's a uh, mm. green green lantern based show with with hal jordan and john stewart and john stewart which i think yeah. that's great that's yes. a great yeah. the concept is great i don't know how the execution is going to be right but the concept right. is great and that's one that's going to be i think a tv series see, that that'll be on hbo max as a tv series yes great looking forward to it uh mm-hmm. that that sounds like a great idea creature commandos is yeah. is animated so, one right and and that oh is that animated yeah it's going to be animated oh, okay yeah. okay i would yeah. check that out um mm-hmm. and uh you know i know that this is this doesn't come under james gunn but i I have to admit that Flash trailer looks yes. pretty damn great. I'm, yeah, I mean, just seeing Michael Keaton as Batman again was was really interesting. And and who knows, they could do some they they could do some magic into where they find a way to incorporate um, Christopher Reeve's Superman in there. How cool would that be? Just to see like you know an image of him in that. I, I don't know. I'm not saying it's going to happen. Right. But right, but right. you got Michael Keaton in there. You got Ben Affleck in there. Yeah. Uh, reprising his Batman role as well, right. so or at, the, or at the very least Bruce Wayne. I don't know if he suits Bruce, up, but yeah, uh, okay. But Good point. at the very least, we'll see him as Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne, yeah, um, yeah. I think that I think that the direction that this Flash movie was going to set up, I don't think I would have liked that direction ongoing. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. I think the plan was they were going to replace Superman with Supergirl, and that's right. in the trailer. So mm-hmm. you know, I'm not giving anything away. And I right. think that going forward, I wouldn't have liked that. But as a one-off, as long as we get a Superman back that right. is in the classic mold as a, as a figure that inspires hope right. and optimism and right. and makes us want to aspire to be as good as him, and somebody who cares about humanity and and sets an example as a role model. That's the Superman I want to see. If James Gunn gives right. us that, well, I'll be happy. I, I, I see. I can see how you know the the post credit scene could be setting up. You know, you see oh. an image. You see the the boots coming down. You see the legs. You see the toy. I mean, and the, they reveal the brand new Superman. Right. Um. The, I guess I just learned that within the next six months they're going to be announcing cast uh cast members. So that kind of fits in there. I mean, you know what's that, that? Yeah, yeah. They're oh, going to okay. start. They're going to start announcing uh people who are cast in these films here soon. So well, I, uh, I would imagine so. I would hope. Yeah. I would hope so. I would um, hope so too. Yeah. I mean, I I I like uh, Henry Cavill. Yeah. I thought that he was he was he was done wrong. I thought <laughs> I thought he was a great Superman in some really bad. <laughs> bad superman movies i think that i think that he got a chance to show a, a glimmer mm. of what he could do in the uh original version of justice league right um where where he was wearing a brighter superman mm. uniform and he was laughing and he was showing um the, the charm that i think that henry cavill naturally has um i did check out the um the uh the Zack snyder. snyder version the yeah. four-hour slog yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and sure enough, you know, he's just dead serious and scowling and, and just, there's, there was none of that. Um, that's the one, that's one of the few things that I think that the, that the Joss Whedon version of justice mm-hmm. league had over is that they got Superman pretty much right. That's the Superman. That's the Henry Cavill Superman that I've been waiting to see. And gotcha. of course we'll never see him again. <laughs> That's just the way these things go. Right. That's unfortunate. But mm-hmm. but Glenn, um, can anybody con- reach you or contact you on social media or you just, uh, you know, don't want to be contacted? <laughs> <laughs> just leave me alone. 
Well, I'm on Twitter for the time being. I don't okay. know. I don't know but the way Twitter's going. I don't. Yeah. I don't know how long I'm going to be on there. But I'm at Glenn L. Greenberg dot uh, at, at Glenn L. Greenberg on Twitter. Uh, okay. and two ends in Glenn. Well, if you see my yeah. name, it's that's right there. It's at Glenn L. Greenberg. Uh, there's an L obviously in the middle uh, between Glenn and Greenberg. Uh, that's probably you know okay. the, the 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 safest way to to find me. Uh, okay. But uh, yeah. Right. Okay. Well, for Two Legs, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Two Legs Podcast. You can email us at Two Legs Podcast at gmail.com. Please check out our YouTube channel, Two Legs, a Paul McCartney podcast, where you're probably watching right now. And if you haven't, please subscribe. We're uh, really getting, we're, we're starting to, you know, get close to that 2K that we're at our goal of 2K by the end of the year. And as I said before, we'll probably have a little, uh, a little giveaway for once we hit that 2K subscribers. So again, thank you to all the new people checking us out. We really appreciate all the ones that have been watching since day one. I love you. Thanks for sticking around and, 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 you know, taking this journey uh, with us, Glenn, it's been a pleasure having you back and we'll have you back again uh if this uh if this you know with the with this new project coming out hopefully later this year and uh good talking to you everybody out there it's great seeing you all and as always have a great day and a beautiful night take care everyone